You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. This is, I believe, the ni- I think this is the ninth week that we are talking about subject of prayer. I've said this a few times, but I think this is the last week in this series. Uh, we've been talking last week and this week specifically, I felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about the prayer of intercession, which is just us praying for other people. It's us standing in the gap for other people. And we used one of our foundation scriptures was Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. And the Lord speaking says, I sought a man among them who would, two things, build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, which means the nation, all right, that I would not destroy it, but I found none. All right, so we have that. We talked last week about the fact that as New Testament believers, when we're praying for other people, when we are interceding, uh, our role, let's go back through a couple of these things, our role is to lift people up before God, to stand in the gap, and it says, build up the wall. You know, the wall around a city brought protection. So the idea there is that our prayers, your prayers can be protective for people who are making poor decisions in life, uh, doing different things. Maybe they don't know the Lord. They're, they've not come into that covenant with him. Maybe they do, but they're making poor decisions in life. Our role is, again, we just sang this song where I love that song. We just sing those blessings out over people. The reason that stirs up your heart so much is because, like I said, the God within you is a God of blessing. He wants the best for every person. And we are to be a people of blessing. And so our role, even when we're involved or dealing with somebody who's making really poor decisions in life, one of the, one of the parts of our prayer there is to build up the wall, to set a hedge of protection. We don't want, even if somebody's flinging the door open to the enemy, we can intervene there and help stop that so that they have an opportunity to recognize, to receive the Lord, to receive his word, to receive his instruction, whatever it might be. I'm always, that's always on my heart to pray for people that I want them to have the opportunity. You know, the, the scripture tells us that Satan goes about as a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. All right. Who he can devour. It means he doesn't have the power to just go out and devour, but we can open up our lives to him. The, uh, the scripture talks about all of this. And the, and the idea is that we can we can intercede there and through our prayers. You know, it talks about the fact that um, the enemy comes in to blind the hearts and minds of people who don't know the Lord so that they can't see the gospel. Just blind them to the message of the gospel. Well, I want to pray and I want to break that. I want to break that. I don't want to allow him to blind those people. I want them to have, see what I'm saying, the opportunity. Have have a level playing field here, at least. Okay, so that they have the opportunity to see who the Lord really is. Not who Twitter says he is. Not who, you know, whatever, you know, the world says that he is. But who he really is. It's kind of hard not to love him and engage with him when you see who he really is. And there's so much misinformation. I don't want them to see who religion says he is. I want them to know Jesus Christ for who he really is. So anyway, a part of our prayer is to place that, we call it setting a hedge of protection. 
around somebody and, and uh, keeping them safe. All right. So our place, we said this last week, we're not there contending with God. We are not dealing with an angry God. We are not dealing, it's not who God is. And on this side of the cross, Jesus has done everything necessary to make peace and reconciliation between God and man. We looked at those verses last week. It's there. It's available. And so we're not there trying to bar God from stomping on someone. We're trying to take hold of God's hand who wants the very best for them and their hand and bring those two together. Make sense to you? So we talked about a lot of that last week. God's not there rejecting mankind. Man has distanced himself from God through sin, but God stepped in. We looked at those verses last week, 2 Corinthians 5.19. It was God the Father personally present in Christ reconciling man to himself. What an awesome verse. So we started last week to talk about the nature of what is what is the prayer of intercession like? And way back in this series, I talked to you about the fact that the Bible teaches that there are a variety of different kinds of prayer. And I've been looking for a much better way to say this. There are different parameters. I don't, I don't like to use the word rules because it's kind of the wrong connotation, but there are different parameters, different characteristics of different types of prayers. And so one of the things about intercession is that intercession is ongoing. It's often not a one-time prayer. We talked about the prayer of petition earlier on where we're asking God for something. So it's just us and God and his word. You know, we can see a promise. We can ask him for something. Prayer of petition. Well, the only things involved in that is God's will, your will, God's promises, which are his will, all right, that's all that's involved there. So if you're in agreement with him, then you can come and you can ask. And the Bible says, ask and believe you've received before you see it happen. You know, and so basically we pray that prayer and then we just thank God for it until it comes to pass. I mean, we don't go back uh, pulling on him every day as if he's reluctant to do it. It's just his will, our will. It's very simple, right? When we're praying in intercession for a person or a family or a city or a nation or the world, when we're, when we're interceding for other people, there's way more to it than that. People have a will. And there are some people who are not willing at all right now, right now. Okay, that's a good thing to remember. This is, this, we're just getting a snapshot here. People can change. But right now their hearts are not willing to engage with God. They're not willing or, or they just don't know anything about him, about what he has done. And and so you're dealing with somebody else's will. We are not allowed to pray prayers that manipulate other people or try to coerce them or try to force them into making a decision. God honors people's will, even if that will is to reject him. He has set a table. He has made an offer. He is, he is presenting himself to people. He is drawing people to himself. He's doing all kinds of things to make this happen. But what he won't do is just force somebody to do something against their will. And we can't either. That's, it is, honestly, that is, absolutely, there's no question about it, that is witchcraft. When we try to use spiritual force to force someone to do something, that's witchcraft. God doesn't approve, okay? It's not our role. So, 
So one of the things about intercession is oftentimes it's ongoing. We just continue to pray over a situation or a person or a family or whatever it is, our world, our nation, we continue to pray and to incubate and to soak that situation. We, we pray God's word over it. We speak his blessing over it. We uh, bind and restrain the enemy's activity in it. We do those kinds of things and we do them until the Lord releases us from doing it. We just keep doing it. We just keep praying those those prayers. So the prayer of intercession is ongoing. And I said this to you last week, you know, how long do I keep praying for somebody? And a lot of times it comes up. I mean, it comes up in our hearts. How long do I keep praying over this situation when I'm not seeing any change in it? And the answer in that for that really is until you get a release from the Lord. Until the Lord says, you're done. You've done your part. And, and I'll bet you in that situation, he still has somebody else. Don't, don't ever forget, you're not the only one praying over the situation. You're responsible to do what the Lord leads you to do and pray what and when the Lord, you know, gives you something to pray. Your responsibility is not to fix somebody. Your responsibility is not to change somebody. God's the only one that can change hearts. He's the only one. So don't, we, we should never honestly become discouraged. We all do, okay? But we shouldn't become discouraged in our prayer life, particularly with intercessory prayer, because hope comes from God. Hope comes from seeing, from spending time with the Lord and getting his heart and vision for what this situation can be for what the Gunnison Valley can be. What did he, what is his plan for it? What does he see in it? What does he desire for it to be? What does he desire the United States of America to be? What does he desire your family, your friends? He has a great plan for every, for, for the person that is running the very hardest away from God. He has a tremendous creative, creational design for that person's life that he wants them to find and fulfill. And and so if we're spending time with God, we ended up we end up getting really excited about situations that look horrible. And we're able to and have you ever done this? I mean, I'm sure most of you have. You can be you can spend that time with the Lord and pray in the Spirit and and you get this stuff and you get praying over a situation and it's exciting. I mean, you're stomping around the room, you're telling the devil to get off. You're you're just seeing this person in this image of what God has for them and who they can be in the Lord. It's exciting. And then you, and then you get done with that and you step out and you look at the situation and you go, Oh, you know, and that's what we shouldn't do. That's where discouragement comes in. It's time to focus back on God. What has God said? What does his word say? What is his promise? That's where we have to stay. And when we do that, we can stay hopeful and we can pray until we die or Jesus comes again. And then we've done our part. God's not holding you responsible for the fulfillment of what you're praying. He's holding you responsible for doing what he's asking you to do. Okay? This is called faithfulness. And and I understand that emotionally, that can be a difficult uh, thing to navigate, but it's there and we, and we need to do it. If we keep our hearts engaged with God, there's hope everywhere. There's hope everywhere. 
when we're hopeless about something, we absolutely are believing a lie. There's no question about it. There's no place in God that things are not provided for. There's, there's just no place in God uh, for hopelessness. And so, you know, if you find yourself becoming discouraged, then more than likely what's happened is you've gotten your focus off the Lord and onto the circumstance. We all do it. So get your focus off the circumstance, put it back on God. You know, I mean, I mean, it's really, it's, it, it really isn't rocket science. It's just that our, um, you know, our, our emotions and our feelings get caught up in this thing. And, and I understand fully, believe me, that it can be very difficult, but I, but it's really important for us to understand that we can stay encouraged in the Lord. Okay. You understand? You get that? All right. So the next aspect of this I want to spend today talking about it is, Intercession, I, I kind of opened this up last week, but we didn't go very far with it. Intercession is like spiritual incubation and or labor, as in birthing labor. Okay, the Bible makes that analogy. I want to look at the basic principle first, and then we can talk about some things. So if you have your Bible there, and you should, uh, turn back to Genesis chapter 1. Okay, so this is pretty foundational. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 3. Talking about creation, right? It says, in the beginning, God, this is the Amplified, okay? God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and an empty waste. Get that? God created it, but it was without form and an empty waste. Darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, the Amplified says, hovering or brooding over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. All right, so so get that. God the Father is the source of all things. He had in his heart to release his creation. All right, so as he's doing that, there's a pattern here that holds up. This is how God tends to bring things forth on the earth. The, the word is there. Scripture tells us over in uh, John's writings that the word was from eternity, was God from eternity, and that Jesus Christ is the Word in human flesh. The Scripture is the Word in written form. But the Word of God is, uh, it is, the Son is the Word, but the Son's role is to release what is in God's thoughts and heart. Let me, I'm not saying that very well. When you think something and you want to get it out there, you speak. It's because we're made in God's image. Your words make what's in your heart available or manifest to all of us. We can understand what's in your heart. That's what the, that's the son's role. He, he came to this earth to show forth who God is and what his glory is like. It says he is the exact image and the exact representation of the father. That's who he's been through eternity past. He he is that expression of the Father. So here we are at creation, and the the Word is there, but the Holy Spirit 
is it says moving, hovering, or brooding over what was being created. That word hovering or brooding or moving, it's a Hebrew word that means to hover or brood over something with tender love. It's a, it's a picture of a hen on a nest incubating eggs until they come forth. Okay. So there's a process of life that's going on there. I love the fact that in the Hebrew, this idea, it's, it's not even just like a construction project where God is just building something. What the Spirit of God is, is he's, as he's hovering over creation, there is this aspect of the tender love of God to bring this thing forth. Isn't that amazing? God is love. And whatever he is incubating in your heart to bring forth, whatever he is calling you to intercede for, to pray for, to release in this earth, there is an aspect, there needs to be an aspect of his love. That's another thing that happens through intercession. You give yourself to intercession for a person. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It is very, if you are honestly giving yourself to intercession before God for them, it's very hard not to love them. Even if you hate everything they're doing, even if it makes you angry, even if it is unjust, even if it's whatever it is that they are doing is different than who they are. And when you get with God and you start praying over people, he will give you a love for people. I I just can't explain it any better than that. You can love them and want to strangle them at the very same moment. And I don't know if that's God's heart exactly, but that's the way it, that's as far as it goes with me. I still want to strangle, but, but this is, it was, it was used of, again, a mother hen to brood over her eggs. You know, that's what that word brood means. And to, to take care of them until they hatch, right? Until the life within them comes forth. So, and I'll, I'll just read this to you for lack, you know, for time's sake. God's process for bringing his creation to life or into manifestation in the natural realm releases will through the word, right? Then for the Holy Spirit to come upon what's been spoken and to incubate that word until that word is fully manifested in the natural world or until the creation takes the full form or shape that God desired. So there's a process there. It isn't honestly, well, I shouldn't get into that. We don't know how long this took, by the way. And I know some of you are probably real strong, six-day creation. That's fine. Uh, we don't know how long each of these things took. We just, we don't, not from the Bible. We sure don't. So there is a process in in God bringing things forth that we see from the very foundation of creation. So the scripture here in the literal text, it says that as God spoke it, the world existed immediately, but it was in chaos and in a raw condition. It had to be formed. The literal text says it speaks of matter that is in existence, but not yet formed or shaped to God's purpose. If you can figure all that out, more power to you, I can't. But that's what it says. That's that's what's written in the scripture there is that in creation, 
this thing came forth, but it didn't yet hold the shape or form that God purposed for it. All right, that was a process and the Holy Spirit worked there. Why is that important? Because when we are interceding over someone, we're going to enter into that same process. It's going to be like, it is going to be like us brooding with the Holy Spirit. He does it through us. It's the Holy Spirit doing this, but he does it through us. Our prayer is going to hover over and cover this person's life to build up the wall, to stand in the gap, to speak life over them until it is manifest and comes to pass. That's what intercession is about. You're really engaging with the Holy Spirit in his work of bringing what God has designed and purposed. For every one of us, every one of us, God has a design and a purpose for us that is bigger than what we're living today. I don't care how engaged you are with God. He has more. He has designed more. He has purposed more for you. And all of us have that sense in our heart. There's even more. You know, there's even more that God has called me to be and called me to do. That's why he's constantly working to transform my heart and make me more like him and all of this stuff. And and so our prayers are, we are that mother hen sitting on those eggs, sitting on that not totally formed life. There's life there, but it hasn't taken shape and broken out and manifested itself yet. That's what intercession does. It goes with the Holy Spirit to to sit upon, to brood over God's word. If it's for our community, God has a purpose for his community. He's shown us. Many of you, if you pray, you've seen different aspects of what God, the atmosphere that God wants for our valley. Well, it's not all there yet, clearly. But as we pray and as we incubate, different parts of it come to pass. They come forth. Does this make sense to you? All right. So intercession is that form of prayer. We start to incubate God's desire for something to bring it pass to pass. Uh, look with me, if you have your Bible there, over to Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's read these verses. Many of you are very familiar with these. This is this uh, story of the valley of the dry bones. You can see this kind of process that the prophet goes through um, with the Spirit of God in this. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. So God is showing him something. He's bringing him out. He's he's in the presence of God and the spirit is, you know, he feels like the spirit is taking him to this place and showing him what's going on. He set me in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So it's not just bones. These bones don't have any life in them. They're dry. Have you ever been out and you find really old antlers or an old skeleton or like that, and the bones are just dried up? I mean, you know, it's it's about as far from life, this picture, as we can possibly get. And he asked me, God asked him, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I just love that because he he pulls the prophet up to looking back at God. And I I mean, good answer. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. So I'm not answering that question. You tell me, basically. Well, that's right. 
And, and he needed to hear from God. He needed to know what's the next step here. This is such a picture of there so many times God calls us to pray for things that look absolutely hopeless. They look like they could never change. We're praying sometimes for things that have been that way for generation after generation. doesn't matter. If God says it can live, it can live. Okay? God says it can live, it can live. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. So he says, okay, here's your job. You speak. Prophesy. Prophecy is a big word throughout the scripture and it has different connotations and contexts for sure. But the basic meaning, all prophecy, is speaking forth what has just come immediately from the heart of God. Okay, whether you are giving a word to somebody or whether you're speaking in prayer over your community or family like we're talking about today, whatever it might be, it is it is speaking forth in this earth what has come immediately from the God from the heart of God said to me prophesy to these bones and say to them dry bones hear the word of the Lord well I love this I mean this is just this is just how we pray I mean I use these words but this is how we pray over things you speak the word of the Lord so good this is what the sovereign lord says to these bones i will make breath enter you and you will come to life i will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin i will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that i am the lord so i prophesied as i was commanded and as i was prophesying there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone I looked and tendons of flesh. Notice that this is a process. The first thing that happened was the bones just came together. Still dry, still dead. But they came together. Something happened, but it's a process. I just want you to see that it's not always immediate. It's not always instantaneous. Intercessory prayer is ongoing. Okay? They came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. There was no breath, no spirit, no life. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Spirit of the Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. There's an important statement. Don't come up with your own things. Speak what the Lord is giving you to speak over the situation you're praying for. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. All right, so it's this process of Ezekiel connecting with God, speaking what God told him to speak over this totally dead situation. And it ends up bringing forth life. A vast army stands up out of that. Um, <clears throat> here's another verse talking about this being uh, this this verbiage in the scripture. Um, Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, speaking about Jerusalem. He's sitting there looking at Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who continue to kill the prophets and to stone those who are sent to you. That's not good, right? That's not the will of God is not taking place there. You're stoning the prophets and kill those who are sent to you. How often, here's God's heart, I have desired and yearned to gather your children together around me as a hen gathers her young under her wings, but you would not. All right, so it just shows the heart of God there that he wants to gather people together and bring them in. People who are 
stoning his prophets, people who are killing those who were sent to him, God's heart there is to gather them up and take care of them. That needs That is the heart of intercession right there. I read you this verse or these verses uh, last week. Just read them again. Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Paul writing, he says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. Again in the pains of childbirth. When he first encountered these people, he came into the region of Galatia and he began to speak the word to them. He was praying and to him, praying for these people to come to know Christ, to come out of idolatry, praying for the church to be formed there, all of this. And and it was like birth pains to him. He was praying in this way for them. And he says, I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. So so he's saying, okay, you've been born again. Now this doctrine, if you read the book of Galatians, this doctrine has come in. You've started to go this other way. I'm praying again in a way that's that's trying to cause Christ to be formed, to be matured in you. And Paul calls it, he says, it's like being in the pains of childbirth. This is what, I, I don't mean that intercession is I don't mean to say it's painful like childbirth. I don't think that's the point here. But there's there's work. There's labor to it. Um I can't remember where that verse is. First first Kings, second Kings, one of the Kings. There's there's a place in the Old Testament where Elisha it's right after uh what is that? First Kings eighteen, second Kings eighteen. It's in your Bible. Um right after the deal with the prophets of Baal. And there'd been a drought. And uh, he he did the whole thing with the prophets of Baal and dealt with them. And the next thing was God said the drought was going to break. And and it says there that Elisha um, got down and put his head between his knees and began to pray. In the Hebrew, that is a picture of a birthing position. The, the position that there uh, the women in that day and in that place would give birth. He took this birthing position. And if you can, if you can look it up in the Hebrew, it's very evident that that's what they're saying. And he began to pray. And then pretty soon there was, uh, he kept asking his servant to go look and there weren't, you know, nothing was happening. And then pretty soon he came back and said, yeah, there's a cloud like the size of a fist. It was clearly a cumulus cloud. And, uh, anyway, there was a, uh, there was this cloud on the horizon. He got up and said, and he, and at that point he spoke in faith and said, tell Ahab to go because, you know, get the chariots going before the rain catches him and he gets mired in the mud, essentially. And there hasn't been rain forever. Okay. But it's so classic because it's this birthing position that he took as he was praying over that situation. Sorry. I'm excited about this. I'm not sorry. Actually, I just, this is, this is just, I'm excited about this. Um, so let's go on. We'll finish with, with this. We need to read this passage over in Romans chapter eight. Okay. I want to see, I want you to see your involvement in this. Romans chapter eight, beginning with verse 19. So I got to give you some definitions here and stuff. Let's just read through this. Got 10 minutes. It says the creation waits in eager expectation. The picture there is of creation 
stretched fully out and reaching for something. That's the picture there in the Greek. Waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. That means for the church, for all of us to be revealed, manifested, to be doing what we're here to do. For the creation was subjected to frustration. That means an inability to produce the desired creational result. In other words, when man sinned and there was the fall came upon the earth, the creation that God had made came under that the weight of that sin, and it's it's not functioning the way that it was designed to function. All right. It was uh, creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated or freed from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So, you know, very briefly, the creation was made in a certain way, came under the fall it's, it's, the Bible says, in bondage to decay. All of the decay, all of the falling apart, all of the tendency for things to fail and not work that's just natural out there was never God's plan. And the creation right now is stretched out waiting to be liberated from that bondage, okay? We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, we believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we're born again, we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, right? We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What that means is we're here, we're born again, we have the Spirit of God in us, and because of that, we are groaning, as in the chains of pains of childbirth. We are groaning. We are desiring to bring about this this freedom from the bondage of sin for people, for creation. Every, we, we've just got this on the inside of us that things should not constantly decay and die and fall apart. We all know this is not what we were created for. This is not what God designed. We've got that sense on the inside of us. And it says we ourselves are groaning. We have this inward thing going on on the inside of us as we're waiting for final redemption to be uh, to be manifest. Does that make sense so far? Okay. For in this hope, the hope of that redemption, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now listen to this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay, these are the really important verses I want you to get. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, let me give you some definitions of what was just said there. All right. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. All right. That word helps is a great big long Greek word, soon anti-lombanomai. It means to take hold together with, 
against. It's one Greek compound word. Take hold together with against. It's the picture of us taking hold of something in prayer with the Holy Spirit, together with the Holy Spirit. We're taking hold together against. We're releasing something. We're pushing something back. We're changing something. We're releasing something. All right. It says the Spirit helps us. He takes hold together with us against whatever it is he's leading us to to pray over in the earth. Does that make sense to you? So, I mean, the word helps doesn't quite get us all of that. So we we need to dig it out. It says he helps us in our weakness. Again, that word means impotence. It means the inability to produce the needed result. We see a situation. We know in our hearts this needs to change. It goes off in us. This should change. This person should be free from that drug addiction. This person should be free from that kind of bondage. God has more for this person. God has more for this city, for this country, whatever it is. God has more for this group of people. It it burdens us. It wants to get out. And the Holy Spirit, as we go to prayer, takes hold together with us and deals with that situation because we're on our own, have an inability to produce the needed results. That makes sense. Just say yes, because we got to move along, okay? So so weakness, he helps us in our weakness because we don't know what uh we don't know what we ought to pray for. That word ought, we talked about it several weeks ago. It's a tremendous word. It means what prayer is necessary, fitting, appropriate, and effective at the time. How many times have you been there? God, I don't even know how to pray over this situation. But the Spirit of God inside me is desiring to change this. It's there. It's, I need, God, I need to get this out. I need to pray this out. And I don't know what prayer is necessary, fitting, appropriate, and effective at the needed time. We're there all the time. This is why we're supposed to be engaged with the Holy Spirit as we pray together. It says there that the Holy Spirit uh, intercedes for us. And, and later it goes on and says he intercedes for the saints according to God's will. That phrase intercedes for us. It means intercedes with us. It doesn't mean instead of us. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's going to take care of it and I can kick back and watch TV. It doesn't mean, and it doesn't really in this context, this is all about interceding, right? This is all about stepping in and freeing creation from the bondage of sin. So it's not about that he's praying for us. It's saying that he is coming together with us, all right? The context here, if you can get this, in the Greek, and I'm going fast, it's, is that there is a governing force at work on our behalf as the Holy Spirit takes hold of us and with us and prays through us as we yield to him in prayer. So this whole thing of giving birth, this whole thing. Oh, and when it says, uh, last one, when words cannot express, he gives us groanings that word can, words cannot express. Certainly part of that is praying in the spirit and praying in other tongues. It doesn't mean that there should be silence in prayer. It doesn't mean that this is inexpressible. It means we don't have the words. We don't have the words. So, so these, these groanings, these urgings, these other, this other language that goes past our brain comes out and we pray out what God has put in our heart for situations. 
I encourage you strongly, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and have a prayer language, get filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Lord teach you to pray in the Spirit. Because there are so many of those moments where, God, I don't know what to pray, but this is just, you know, we said last week, just like being pregnant, intercession will keep you up at night. And there are just times when you just gotta, you just have got to get this out. You know, there's more. I can't even grasp it all, but I can feel it on the inside. And you can pray in the spirit and release that. And then you can pray in your understanding, uh, as that, as that comes along. But sometimes we don't even know who we're praying for. Sometimes we don't even know what we're praying for. I'm convinced in so many situations where we say, well, I don't know how that happened. Uh, you know, God has had somebody praying over those situations. We pray, our job is to pray based on the unction that the Holy Spirit gives us. And sometimes, I'm just about done here. Sometimes we are going to pray over a person or situation until that person either accepts the will of God for their life. Again, I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm just praying God's best over them. They either have that revelation and turn and change their life or they don't. They fully reject God's will for their life and then sometimes God will release you from it. Sometimes it looks to you like they fully rejected God's will for their life, but he won't release you from it. That's because he knows their heart better than you do. You know, or you die, then you get to stop praying or they die, then we get to stop praying. We're not praying once once we're done here, we're done, okay? This whole thing of praying for people in heaven, that's not a biblical thing, okay? Um, so the point here is I want you to get that this whole process of the Spirit of God bringing things forth that don't exist yet in the earth goes all the way back to creation. And now he's doing a lot of that through you and me, through intercession. It's an incredible intimate, wonderful form of prayer um, as long as you keep your focus on God. Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's pray together. 1101, not too bad. Thank you, Lord. You can go back and listen to it to hear whatever we just said in the last 10 minutes. Thank you, Lord. Father, God, I thank you for your word. I love your word. We love your word. And I pray, Father, that Lord, that we would become more and more and more passionate and engaged in this aspect of our life with you, Father, in praying for other people, that we would learn how to keep our focus on you more than any other, anything, any circumstance, any person. Father, I pray especially for, and this kind of came up during worship, didn't it? Father, for anybody who's been praying over someone, and Lord, they've become discouraged. I pray for that strong encouragement from the Holy Spirit to just keep doing what you show them to do. Not more than that, but not less. Father, for us to to continue knowing you have other intercessors, you have other laborers, you have other people engaged in this. Our role, Lord, is just to hear what you are saying and to release it into this earth. And Father, I pray, Lord, for this congregation, this, this people that you've gathered, Father, that we would be effective in praying over the people in our sphere, Lord, the people that you have put in our path. And we just thank you for it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this half stood up spontaneously. That's pretty awesome. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And then you can go out and 
send some money to Justin and sign up for Remedy, okay? One, and you can be Christians throughout the week too. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.